Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Joining me, and this is a bit of a reverse on our Beauties and the Beast. It's Beauty and the Beast. It's the second edition of this. We thought it would only last for one. <laughs> but, you just uh, can't keep a good beast down. There's two of them now. Beastie boys. Especially two of them. <laughs> the beasts. Uh, the other beast is Dan McTagg, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy, and the beauty remains consistent. Whether it's this segment or Beauties and the Beast, Catherine Swift, WorkingCanadians.ca. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Roy. And hi, Dan. Hello, Catherine. Hello, Roy. Hello, Dan. The Beast. Okay, now we've gotten all that out of the way. Um, let's start, because I, there's a couple of things, a number of things I want to talk to you about. Not the least of which is that the former governor of the Bank of Canada, about to be the former governor of the Bank of England, who has... Triple citizenship. I think he's Canadian, British, and Irish. I think that's what it is. Mark Carney is now going to be the spokesvoice for the United Nations on climate and climate change. And he's calling on financial institutions to be more transparent about the money they're putting into uh, pension funds uh, while they're investing in energy projects like the oil sands and liquid natural gas. He's also rumored by some people to be in the running to replace Justin Trudeau as the Liberal Party leader, which means to me that he could, Mark Carney could be the guy representing the Liberal Party for Prime Minister come the next federal election. That's my guess anyway. So if Mr. Carney, though, takes a run at the oil sands and liquid natural gas in Canada prior to such an event taking place and becoming the, uh, the heir apparent Justin Trudeau, we have a hell of a story. Um, so, uh, having said my bit, I have nothing less, nothing left to contribute. Catherine, why don't you take over? Oh boy! Well, the uh, this this whole issue has so many elements to it. Uh, the the Carney, the, you know, the particular Carney thing just came up very recently as right, was named right. in this new UN post. And I, I got to say, I, I know Mark Carney quite well. I, I actually worked really constructively with him when he was the governor of the Bank of Canada, you know, a number of years ago now. And um, frankly, it surprises me. It sounds very different from the Mark Carney I knew about eight, nine years ago at the Bank of Canada. Uh, He seems to have totally bought into this UN agenda, which has all kinds of problems, as we know, most of which uh, relate to the fact that, you know, the the facts don't really support a lot of what it's trying to do right now. Um, And what what also... (laughs) I keep asking myself, when we look around the world with all the various carbon regimes of one kind or another, what is it about Canada that we are basically yeah. the butt of the international yeah. you know, punishment? Um, all kinds of countries, as we know, produce oil. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Products. I'll tell you why, because we're soft. Because we're stupid, you're right, because we are the Boy Scouts. We're soft. We kick me. We walk around with a kick me sign on our back. You're absolutely right. And I can just see Carney... Like I say, I actually I have a lot of respect for the guy I met, and he's not a dummy, I'll tell you. He's a smart cookie. But I can see him going into China and saying, you shut down those coal plants. <laughs> I mean, can't you just see that? That'll How work. He'd be shocked. Yeah, that'll I mean, work. We'd never hear from him again. There'd be another Canadian behind bars in China. Well, indeed, yes. Uh, yeah. so we'd add to those numbers. But it's, it's appalling how Canada has been treated by our own governments, 
by people like Carney, who is a Canadian, although he might have various other citizenships or whatever, uh, and others around the world. We know a lot of the U.S. so-called, you know, the environmental zealot groups target Canada when their own country, their own backyard is producing, you know, exactly the same stuff, basically. So this is what makes me crazy, I guess, is, yeah, we know climate change is happening. I think most Sensible people want to do something constructive, and that gets to our carbon tax, which, again, is not constructive to deal with the whole issue of, uh, you know, climate change and so on. Mm-hmm. So th- this is, these are the kind of questions that come to my mind. It, it, is it just pure politics? And if so, why are we punishing Canadians and leaving w- much worse polluters around the world totally alone? So we're going to be talking about the carbon tax after the break, but I wanted to hear Dan's thoughts now on Mr. Carney and the positions he's taking, particularly, and he's moving back to Ottawa, by the way. He's leaving London, and he's moving back to Ottawa. He says they, he and his wife maintained, kept their house. Must be nice to have that kind of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, but he's coming back to Ottawa, and he is, according to rumors, according to rumors, possibly going to be the replacement for Justin Trudeau, which means Dan McTague would be getting back in the... No. Um, <laughs> so, so what do you make, what do you make of what of Mark Carney's statements and the... Uh, the whole well, thing we've been talking all, about. All the paths lead to the UN. And of course, Mark Carney, this isn't the first time we've heard Mark Carney talk about uh, disciplining investors into the oil sector. He has been head of a group out of uh, Europe that has been doing this for the past three or four years. What's made this more interesting is, of course, the connection to the UN, which, uh, as we know this year, is uh, uh, very much into uh, you know ratcheting up the rhetoric and, and in fact, the uh, the hysteria over, uh, you know, climate change, but more importantly, that somehow humans are the res- are really the uh, uh, the source of the uh, massive changes that we may be seeing in the climate, uh, excluding all other factors. So I think what Mr. Carney is doing right now is very much hand in glove with uh, uh, the government's position, which is uh, obviously to secure a seat at the UN, but also to serve as something of a hitman. Uh, on behalf of Canadians, but also mm-hmm. on behalf of the UN, to, to really go after anybody who wants to invest in that industry. And it's not, you know, you've got to follow the pattern here, not just in terms of his own history, but, and perhaps just after Catherine knew him, uh, you know, that he was, in fact, uh, you know, a member of a very famous large investment banking uh, group, uh, Goldman Sachs. Same guys who last week said, not only do we not like Canadian oil, we're also not going to be involved with U.S. Alaskan drilling. So, you know, as a company, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of these folks. And I, the alarm bells went off in my head because I recall when my former leader, Stéphane Dion, was pushing his uh, green shift carbon tax, which no one understood and certainly didn't want to pay for way back when. Uh, some of the people around Mr. Dion were former Goldman Sachs uh, bankers themselves. I won't mention names, but uh, there is a pattern here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you, you have to go after the source. Mr. Carney is uh, very much a, a prominent member of that group, and uh, short of just the wor- their their uh, experience as investment bankers, they shouldn't be conducting pu- public policy based on doubtful science. No, let me take a quick break. And when you're the governor of the Bank of England or the governor of the Bank of Canada, you should not be jumping ahead of the queue or the game itself and start representing the United Nations position. I understand that it was an interview he did with the BBC. Another thing that I thought of, I'll ask you both for a quick 10-second answer on this. When I hear Mark Carney saying the things that he's saying, the positions he's putting forward, and he's looking at the energy sector, the oil sands and the LNG, he has to be. He's already involved in Canadian politics, isn't he? Very much so. Uh, well, absolutely he is. And, and again, I think Dan was alluding to this in his comments. 
these people that are, those people, I guess we can't say that anymore, but these folks (laughs) that are directing these policies that are costing average people a lot of money and hardship are making out like bandits in their own personal finances. And this is what really gets me going. So let me take a break because I've been hearing from, we'll come back and we'll talk more with Catherine Swift and Dan McTague, but I've also heard from a couple of business people who sent me emails, and they've said, and I, I've got them somewhere, who've said, um, our expenses have gone up, like buying fuel for our little fleet of vehicles for our business. But the rebates we're supposed to be getting from the federal government uh, have been nowhere near uh, enough to cover what we've been spending, and yet the position from auto has been, it's going to be revenue neutral, you'll pay X number of dollars into the carbon tax system, and then you'll get the money back and probably maybe even do better than you did going in. As soon as the government says that, you know, I don't know about the rest of you, but if your antenna don't start to just oscillate madly, uh, then something, then you've been asleep for a long time. Back with Catherine Swift, workingcanadians.ca, and Dan McTague, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy. And so here we are. We have Albertans now. This is, of course, going to make Alberta even happier than they were last week uh, with the federal government. They're now paying the enforced federal carbon tax. And uh, and, and Mr. Trudeau uh, makes this, the case that you'll, you'll get your money back through rebates. Okay, so I'm going to just yeah. pit, step to the side. Mr. McTagg, you, you take this one on. Oh, I, listen, I got a great deal on last year's winter snow, if you believe that line. Uh, this is not a revenue-neutral uh, uh, carbon tax. If it were, of course, there wouldn't be much. It. There would not be HST attached to it. There would not be, uh, you know, significant increases, secondary increases that uh, uh, affect everything from uh, the cost of food to uh, pretty much the cost of doing business. No, the federal liberals have uh, really you know, put themselves in a situation where they are to where, the, where they are utterly tone deaf. This is a province, Alberta, that has twice publicly, democratically rejected a carbon tax. Now they've accepted the idea of uh, placing uh, controls on emissions, uh, $30 a ton. So that's, I mean, a very, very important uh, concession uh, from that province, given uh, it has a lot to lose by going that direction. But to then penalize consumers as if to suggest, hey, we don't care how you voted provincially and federally, we're still going to force you to pay this tax. And by the way, if you don't think it's enough, then you get another two and a half cent a liter increase in 13 weeks. So I would simply say that uh, the federal liberals have no interest in reaching out to Alberta. Uh, and they, at the same time, are spending money uh, in the way I have not seen since the 1980s, uh, primarily because we're not able to attract uh, investments. We're losing uh, investments in Canada, both in the oil and gas sector and other areas. We're going to see next week's job numbers are, aren't going to be great. Uh, and manufacturing, I think, is going to follow in the same footsteps. Roy, I'm critically concerned about the fact that the federal government and Canadians are not aware that having a weak energy sector in and Alberta and our energy sector generally is leading to a lower standard of living for every other Canadian. Just look at the value of Canadian dollar to begin with. Catherine. Well, of course, you know, Dan's absolutely right. <clears throat> and it, it, even, even more so to, to build on his point that, that this has nothing to do with uh, true 
you know, a true carbon, uh, a revenue neutral carbon tax. Uh, Trudeau has recently, relatively recently, announced that there will be less of a rebate, basically to jurisdictions that didn't vote liberal in the exactly. election. I mean, this is a totally politically motivated, virtue signaling uh, symbol, not a carbon tax. And from an economic standpoint, you know, economists do, and a lot of people love to cite the Nobel Prize winner William Nordhaus, who said he he supports a carbon tax. But and they use that to justify the Canadian thing. But the Canadian version has absolutely zero to do with what a proper carbon tax would do, which is lower uh, income taxes on people. So there would be lower income taxes on everybody, uh, and carbon taxes would be levied on various gasoline, you know, home heating, et cetera, et cetera. This has nothing to do with that. This is a, a political construct. It is dependent. It's dependent in part on what region of the country you're in it doesn't it, it doesn't depend on your consumption of fossil fuel uh you know basically products so how the heck is it supposed to work big polluters are exempt as we know they get all kinds of rebates that basically give them a free pass to pollute like crazy and as i mentioned recently you know trudeau has said well basically you don't vote liberal we're going to give you less of a rebate did, did by the way did he make that announcement in canada or costa rica <laughs> it was before Christmas, so I guess it was not in Costa Rica, which I was actually there a few weeks prior to Trudeau, so I don't know what happened there. But anyway, uh, but it, it is such, this so-called carbon tax, I love what Brad Wall said a while ago. He said, you know, the last time somebody promised to give me more back than I put in, it was an offer from a Nigerian prince. <laughs> and and that, is, that is absolutely the bogus I, I, nature of this stupid supposed carbon tax. I have about 60 seconds left. Well, in any event, don't be fooled, Canadians. It's phony baloney. And also, they're spending a whole bunch on a bureaucracy to, to, to implement this thing. If they just lowered income taxes, they wouldn't have to spend that money anyway. So 30, 30, 30 seconds, Dan. No one is going to use. 30 seconds, EV, Dan. Uh, electric vehicle charging stations. You've got $226 million in commitments from the federal government to use that money, which they say is revenue neutral, to build charging stations, which on average are only being used once a day. These are hundreds of thousands of dollars of your taxpayers' dollars being invested, not just to raise the cost of living, but to also sort of swindle people into the idea that uh, everybody's jumping into a Tesla, because, okay. of course, uh, we got lots of subsidies for those as well. It's ridiculous. Somebody somewhere is writing an op-ed right now. I don't know if they got a call from the PMO. Uh, attacking Alberta and because we because we're attacking the carbon tax or challenging the carbon tax. Oh, who knows? Closing. I have Again, to go. The people that are advocating go. this are lining their own pockets. Beauty and the beasts. <laughs> we'll have to do this a third time. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Roy. Bye, Thank Catherine. you, Beast. <laughs> Catherine Swift and Dan McTague. If you want to hear more, subscribe to the Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.